You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And it is never a dull day in college football. Jimbo Fisher out at Texas A&M. Zach Arnett out at Mississippi State. Andy Avalos in the Mountain West. He is out at Boise State. It is that time of year. As Dave Aranda says, once you start to see those car commercials with the bow on top, that's when you know it's time, and that's where we are in college football. we got a great show for you today. Team of the Week, we'll hit that. Andrew and I, Freshman of the Week as well. And then we'll talk a little Texas A&M. We'll talk a little Mississippi State. And then Penn State out with the new offensive coordinator. I should say old offensive coordinator, Mike Yursich, out in Happy Valley. We'll talk about James Franklin's options there. But, Drew, first, one little thing. How about Jaden Daniels? It's time to pay this guy his respects. Give him his flowers, as the kids like to say. If you didn't watch that game or you were under a rock on Saturday, Jaden Daniels' performance against Florida, pretty electric. 372 passing yards, three touchdowns through the air, 234 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Also, as well, on the ground, LSU defeats Florida 52-35 to in that game. Jaden Daniels spectacular in that game he has been unbelievable all season he also leads the country most plays over 20 plus yards or more with 76 Michael Penix who pretty much throughout the entire season has been the Heisman front runner he's second in that category with 57 Drew this comes to mind for me because Jaden Daniels makes everything look pretty effortlessly now through the air, which is saying something because it wasn't that way last year. But on the ground, this is a guy that you have to account for. I think that stat that we talked about earlier in the show that I just mentioned, the 20-plus yards, explosive plays on the ground. He is so much of LSU's number one offense. They are averaging 560 yards per game. Oregon is number two in the country in total offense at 540. That's 20 more yards per game. Drew, it got me thinking, this guy's putting up astronomical numbers, numbers that we haven't seen since Joe Burrow in 2019, which is arguably the best offense in college football history. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr., they deserve a lot of credit. But what's next in Baton Rouge after Jaden Daniels, right? You think about that quarterback situation. Garrett Nussmeyer seems to be the guy that they're going to go to. They kept him. A lot of people thought he was going to go in the transfer portal. After that, Ricky Collins, a top 247 arm force. Colin Hurley, who we've talked a lot about on this show in 2024. And then they're after Bryce Underwood in 2025. None of those guys, Drew, are dynamic runners. And it kind of made me think. I went all the way back in Brian Kelly's history of quarterbacks, quarterback lineage at Notre Dame. He's never had this guy. And you think about what Jaden Daniels has done this season and how easy he's made it look. I think LSU is going to look a lot differently offensively next year. You're going to see them get back to traditional ball. But this guy's been unbelievable. Andrew, every time I watch him, it's just kind of like my eyebrows raise and it's like, 
I, you, you think you've seen it before, and then he does something again that makes you kind of say, wow. Yeah, that was the game that was on in the Ivans household on Saturday night, Florida LSU. I thought Florida played probably good enough to potentially win that game. They just had to face number five, and when you're starting two true freshman safeties in Death Valley – uh, and those guys got to close down on some angles, and they're trying to tackle Jaden Daniels. Not uh, the ideal situation. Cooper, I agree. Looking forward, uh, LSU's not going to have this cheat code at quarterback in terms of a guy that's going to be able to bail you out. You mentioned Garrett Nussmeyer, Colin Hurley, Ricky Collins can run a bit. We'll see if they get Bryce Underwood, our number one ranked quarterback in the 2025 cycle. He's a basketball player. Uh, he can tote the rock a little bit, move the chains with his legs. But yeah, I think you're spot on here. It's going to look completely different. But I think LSU, man, they got to figure out that secondary, the defensive line, just really the whole defensive side of the ball. Because Jaden Daniels, we'll see you know, what happens with the Heisman Trophy. But it's not his fault that LSU has these losses early on. I mean, he has played well enough um, to get uh, LSU potentially to Atlanta uh, and maybe even a college football playoff spot. This season is not on him. Yeah, it makes that offense uh, a lot more difficult to defend. As you can imagine, Alabama had no answers for him. Florida obviously had no answers for him. Florida, a defense that was actually playing pretty well under new defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong. So you think about LSU next year, that offense, what that's going to look like under Mike Denbrock, Joe Sloan. you got to give those guys a lot of credit, Drew. I, I think the reason I wanted to bring it up, I wonder if it kind of alters Brian Kelly, Mike Denbrock, the way they look at that position going forward because they haven't had this guy – as those two have been together, they've never had a guy like Jaden Daniels. And, and that's saying something. He is the exception to the rule, especially once you start to factor in his legs a little bit. But I wonder if they're going to dip their toes in to maybe more of a quarterback that can get more done on the ground going forward. Just a reminder, you are watching the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. You can find us every Tuesday, Wednesday at 5 o'clock Eastern time on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. All right, Drew, it is that uh, time of the week. It is time for Team of the Week, and I'm going to let you tee it off with a team that nobody has talked about all year. They've been out of the headlines. Little old Michigan. <laughs> Yeah, man, Michigan. What was the they all, all the players tweeting out? Bet uh, we saw that Friday <laughs> in, into Saturday morning, and there was like Tom Brady even tweeted it. I thought this was a smash mouth statement win for the Wolverines. I mean, look at Blake Corum, just blood running off his face. This is one of my favorite photos of the college football season. And Cooper, I mean, they ran the ball on forty six of 54 offensive plays. We've talked so much about Penn State's defense and what Manny Diaz has done. To close out the game, they ran the ball 32 straight times. J.J. McCarthy only attempted eight passes in the game. Michigan, this is their identity. They are a smash-mouth football team. They are great in the trenches at the point of attack, and this is a college football recruiting podcast, so my mind instantly went to, all right, what does Michigan coming have coming at some point down the line. And when you look at their number 15 ranked recruiting class, the strength of it is the offensive line. Look at these guys. You got Andrew Sprague, 6'8", Luke Hamilton, 6'5", Jake Guanera, 6'4", Blake Frazier, 6'5", Ben Roback, 6'7". They all got long arms. Uh, I love this group. And Cooper, what's super notable about this offensive line is three of those guys have the top six shot put markers 
in the 2024 cycle, right? Why shot put, you know, important for us in the evaluation process. It's that lower body explosion. And they got three guys that have all thrown over 58 feet, which is crazy. You want to dig into the NFL draft. Uh, that is a key indicator. So my big picture here, right, Michigan, we saw them dominate the point of attack on both sides of the ball. And they're not changing. They, they got more guys coming in. Uh, they also got a pair of tight ends committed that we like. Jordan Marshall, a running back. I mean, Michigan, they seem like they can do this, and they're going to continue to do it. So my team of the week, I thought it was uh, a you know extraordinary circumstance. You don't know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh. They come out. Uh, Sharon Moore, the interim head coach, you know, tearful postgame speech. I just loved everything about it for Michigan. I'm not a, I'm not a Michigan guy, right? Uh, but just watching that and being invested in in the early time slot, I thought this was a chance for James Franklin to make a statement. Michigan just said, no, 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 we're just going to smash you up front. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Penn State and James Franklin, Franklin later in the show. Michigan currently right now, they hold the number 15 class in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. Like Drew said, that offensive line, who they are, that identity doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Drew? My team of the week, Missouri, the nerd, Eli Drinkwitz. How about Eli Drinkwitz? Eight and two on the season. Mizzou getting it done. Number 14, Missouri defeats number 13, Tennessee at home, 36 to seven. And this was an absolute rump. How about Cody Schrader, the guy that wears the C on his chest for Mizzou? 35 touches on the ground, 205 yards and a touchdown, 5.9 per carry. Drew, he also got it done as a receiver as well. Five receptions, 116 yards. Brady Cook was cooking too. 18 to 24, 275 yards, a touchdown, and an INT. Missouri's defense held Tennessee to 83 yards rushing on the ground. Missouri ranks 20th against a run in the country. Blake Baker getting a little bit of run. Front of the pod, right? we got to give him a, a shout-out as well. Missouri, my team of the week. Drew, in terms of recruiting, I think a little bit to be desired, but they they also only have 14 commits. So you got to put it in context a little bit. Williams Winery, kind of the crown jewel of that class. They went head to head with Texas for Ryan Wingo. Still a little bit of time to play that one out here over the next month or so. Drew a couple other guys in that class. Cameron Keys, James Madison as well from your neck of the woods that we like a lot. Eli Drinkwitz. Drew, I'm going to mention this right now. I don't know. It, I, I could see where this Texas A&M search goes, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. To me, Eli Drinkwitz, a name to keep an eye on there. Drew, anything to add to Mizzou before we get to our freshman of the week? I got two things. I'm going to push back because I've, I've, I love this Missouri class. You mentioned it's light on the numbers, but I think they got some guys with development, developmental upside, right? Last week, we talked about Elias Williams, the defensive line commit from Hudson, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, sniffing around on him. We got Jackson Hancock, one of the most underrated players in the state of Georgia. We're going to see him at the All-American Bowl. So I love what they're doing on the recruiting front. The other thing, Cooper, 57 weeks ago, Missouri extended Eli Drinkwitz and Blake Baker. Eli got a $6 million contract. Blake Baker got a $1.4 million contract. They were 4-4 four and four at the time. A lot of people were raising their eyebrows going, hey, what's going on? Credit to Missouri's administration. Ahead of the curve here. Look at them now. Both those guys are locked into deals. We'll see what happens with this coaching carousel. But kudos to the folks in Columbia for believing in what they were building and now they're seeing the fruits of the labor, right? For Missouri, we'll see where they end up in the in the bowl picture. Uh, but I think they're one of the stories of the college football season. I can see you on the calendar, on the fridge, 57 weeks ago, <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz, Blake Baker, contract extension. You're coming around, you save it for a good nugget on the pot. All right, Drew, freshman of the week. I'm going to start with you. You like Clemson cornerback Avion Terrell. 
I do, and it's funny because Clemson's recruiting class, I thought the strength of that unit was the DBs, and we saw a lot of them play on Saturday in the win over Georgia Tech. Clemson had Haynes King's number. I mean, Haynes King was putting up a bunch of yards, throwing for touchdowns for Georgia Tech. Avion Terrell, he has an interception, this one-hander here. He's the younger brother of A.J. Terrell, former Clemson standout, got a ton of run. Some of the other guys in the secondary that played, Shelton Lewis, he had a pick six. You had Khalil Barnes, he also had an interception. I just thought the story of this game was Clemson's 2023 recruiting class. There was multiple guys in there. Avion Terrell was the one that graded out the highest for pro football focus, but Clemson, they're not in the transfer portal, so they need these young guys to play and make an impact. They were dealing with a few different injuries. Avion Terrell, he was excellent. And, and same with his classmates. Again, Khalil Barnes, Shelton Lewis on the other side of the ball. You had Tyler Brown, seven catches for 41 yards and that one-hander for a touchdown. And, it, it, you know, just thinking big picture with Clemson, we don't know what they're going to do in the transfer portal, uh, which opens up in a, in a few weeks, I would assume Dabo is probably not going to go back there. So what does Clemson coming ha have coming in 2024? And I think it's a lot of guys that could do the same thing, eventually make an impact as true freshman. Uh, true freshman, you got Tavoy Fagan, a cornerback out of the state of Florida. He has seven interceptions on the year. Uh, Christian Bentenker, the tight end out of Illinois. Cooper, you know, in the group chats, I love talking about him. Uh, broke a number of records in the state of Illinois. So, Clemson, you know, they're not going to bring in the veterans, but I think some of these young guys have a chance to play and make an impact like we saw from Avion Terrell and the rest of those guys over the weekend in the win against Georgia Tech. Give Dabo Sweeney a lot of credit. He takes a lot of flack, right? And here's the thing. They're 6-4 and four in the season. They're also 2-0 and oh since I came on this same show and said sell your stock on Clemson as a program. Sammy Brown, Brian Wesco, two guys that we have within our top 32. TJ Moore, another top 247 receiver. So help on the way at the perimeter. They need that. You mentioned Bittenker. Darian Mayo, a guy that we like. But Drew... To me, like this is going to be the foundation of Clemson, who they're going to be going forward and who they've been in the past. They're going to rely on who they bring in, and they're going to rely on their player development program as well. So guys like Peter Woods, guys like TJ Parker, guys like Avian Terrell are going to be fixtures for their programs. Good to see them getting some run early. Drew, I'm going to go to the SEC. I'm going to go with linebacker CJ Allen, the number 48 player in the class of 2023, the number four linebacker. We're the outlier on him out of the state of Georgia. Drew, I said at one point he kind of reminded me of Roquan Smith now getting some run here and gets a start against Ole Miss in a top 10 matchup. He responded 10 tackles, one sack, 52 snaps, highest snap count of the year, filling in for Jason Dumas Johnson. So uh, C.J. Allen, you turn on the tape, especially in this game, all over the place, Drew. I think they got a special one that goes without saying Raylan Wilson was also on the uh, field as well in Athens on Saturday night. Good to see those guys running around. You think about Glenn Schumann, we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but the linebacker class is that Georgia continues just to stockpile talent. Guys like C.J. Allen, Raylan Wilson, Troy Bowles, you think about this class coming up, guys like uh, Chris Cole, right, and, and they are extremely talented. Christopher Jones as well. This is a team, Justin Allen, I didn't even mention him, the highest rated one out of all of them. Uh, Justin Williams, excuse me. So Georgia uh, just hard to explain what they continue to do at the second level and at the linebacker position. Drew, it goes without saying, looks like C.J. Allen looks like one of the next guys up over there. Well, we couldn't stack them, right? With Raylan Wilson, Troy Bowles, C.J. Allen, we went back and forth, just like the 
trio of wide receivers at Ohio State. And Cooper, you know who also got some run in this game was Jordan Hall up front. I think he played over 20 snaps. To me, this comes back to what I heard someone say in Athens. We don't take developmental guys, right? You're expected to play early on. C.J. Allen, I'm sure there was an upperclassman on the roster that could have stepped in and started against Ole Miss. No, C.J. Allen, he's the guy uh, playing in between the hedges, under the lights, responds with nine tackles. I think if you're a Georgia fan, I mean, this is just kind of how it's been over the past few years. But if you're an outsider, what makes Georgia different? They have guys in the chamber ready to go. And C.J. Allen knows, hey, Georgia's also bringing in some other linebackers behind me, so i got to work to keep my spot. That's the environment, that's the culture that Kirby Smart has created there in Athens, and it's impressive, right? It's a suffocating defense. So there you have it, your freshman of the week, Clemson cornerback Avian Terrell and Georgia linebacker C.J. Allen. But wait, there's more. A couple honorable mentions. Drew puts in the hard work on there. We got nine of these guys, right? But we're going to highlight three of them. I'll read the names here. Miami corner, Damari Brown, good game against Florida State, all things considered, matching up with Keon Coleman. Texas A&M defense alignment, David Hicks, a former five-star, two pressures and a sack on the 51-10 blowout in Mississippi State. JV and Tobiano, the LSU and former top 247 corner, getting some run uh, against Florida this week. Ohio State quarterback Lincoln Kineholes as well. And then you go down the list, Loftus, Sama, Babalade, Braden Marshall, and Sean Noah as well. So, Drew, a couple of these guys that we're going to highlight. Let's start with Texas A&M defensive lineman David Hicks. That's a hard, a hard positional group to uh, crack there, right? At College Station at Texas A&M, all things considered with everything's going on. Elijah Robinson has done a phenomenal job. He gets some run, and that's, you know, it's, it's funny that we talked about C.J. Allen before because he's in a very talented room in Georgia. It's the same thing with David Hicks. It seems like these freshmen now with three to four months in the program, and it depends with some of these guys if they early enrolled or not. But you're starting to see some of these guys, the light bulb coming on and starting to click for them. I think we're seeing that with David Hicks. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, Cooper, is, you know, just going through an entire season, right? Everyone's dinged up, injured. And uh, in, in this transfer portal era, you're only as good as your two deep, right? So you, you sign these high five-star recruits, these blue chippers. These, you're, these guys are going to have to play. That's as, as good as you're going to be. Uh, and we'll eventually talk about it. You know, people trying to poach rosters. I mean, you got to get these guys some burns. David Hicks, second sack of the season. My lasting memory of him on the recruiting front from the scouting side was him at the Under Armour All-America game, pound for pound, strongest guy during one-on-ones. He's a tank, right? Yeah, I think he's like 280 pounds. He wears it better than I wear 180 pounds. Like, he is, he's a lean, compact dude. Uh, so glad to see him finally getting some burn there. A guy who could play multiple spots, and I think was one of those guys that I think we had to asterisk to be really careful with in terms of the evaluation side of not to get fatigued with, right? Because he started out really high. It's really easy to say, all right, now we're going to start nitpicking this guy because we've seen him. We've been around him for two to three years in the evaluation process. He held his weight. I don't think he dropped outside of the top 12 at all now, starting to get some run in College Station. Drew, another guy you wanted to talk about, JV and Toviano. I think a lot of us really thought he was going to be a safety at the next level. Has surprised a couple of us playing corner right now for LSU. Well, you're the LSU grad. Do you think this is out of necessity? And I do remember that. Another guy we saw at the Under Armour All-America game. I mean, over 200 pounds. Rare to kind of see a guy play out on the perimeter. LSU needs help. And I think they had a guy kicked out for targeting or an injection at some point in that game. And, you know, it's kind of just 
got to roll with the bodies you have. And I noticed him when I was watching it out there. I still think he might be a little more safety than he is corner, but I'm kind of getting on that train. Give me the big bodies, right, on the perimeter, play them in the boundary, have them in that hand-to-hand combat, and then whatever happens behind them, hopefully you have two safeties back there. But no, 10 tackles, I think team high for the Tigers against the Gators? I don't think LSU has that luxury right now. I think if you ask their uh, defensive backfield, the <laughs> defensive coordinator, Matt House, they would love to play Tobiano, whether it was a nickel or play him in the deep third or whatever it is. But right now he's a big physical body. That's one thing. You watch the tape on Tobiano. He is not timid whatsoever. He's kind of built for that conference. So a long boundary corner that can do a lot of different things. Maybe they're out of necessity, but you know what? If he plays well enough, maybe that's a guy you can kind of roll with in the future. Drew, Two other names, quarterback position. Let's start with Lincoln Kineholz. Two or three, 18 yards. That doesn't pop, but how about this? I mean, he, he's the one getting the run in the 38-3 to route, right, when Kyle McCord is out of that game. Devin Brown is injured. You wonder what's going to happen with him after the season in Columbus. Lincoln Kineholz, Drew, got a little bit of run there. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, no one else is going to talk about it, but this is a roster management, recruiting podcast show, whatever you want to call it. Is this Ohio State's quarterback of the future? I think it was notable he got in the game, right? It was late when the game was in hand, but I still think Lincoln Kineholtz is a name college football fans need to get familiar with. And Cooper, let's go back to the All-American Bowl last year. This is a kid that came from middle America, right? He was shell-shocked initially when he was on the field with all these other four- and five-star recruits. Kind of struggled through practices, but when those lights came on in the game, he had one of the biggest... Uh, throws and completions. So I think Lincoln Kineholtz, keep an eye on that name. And I'm excited to see if he gets some more run here. There was a few other programs that got their their young guys into, into the mix, right? You know, you can play up to four games, including the bowl game. I think it's a smart, calculated move by Ohio State to get him involved. Let's talk about one of those other programs. Duke quarterback Grayson Loftus. How about him? 16 of 28, 189 yards, three touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. Also had a rushing touchdown. Duke, they fall 47-45 to in a double OT loss to North Carolina. Second straight start for Grayson Loftus. Drew, what do you have to say about the young man? I remember this time last year, there was an unnamed, I'm not going to name the ACC program, that was sniffing around on Grayson Loftus, and I think they would love to have him in the fold right now. A bit surprising, a kid out of the Carolinas, baseball background, dig a little bit into the profile. I'm honestly surprised he played well enough to win uh, in Chapel Hill against a ranked North Carolina. But think about Duke, right? Mike Elko there, Riley Leonard probably off to the NFL. We like Henry Bullen, who started the season as the second quarterback. He gets injured and end steps Grayson Loftus. And I think Duke, you got to think he's the guy of the future. And I think if you're an ACC fan, he's going to be a pesky individual to deal with over the next few years. Hey, just a reminder, if you like this show, you like the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Pod, then check out our friends here at 24-7 Sports, the college football recruiting show live every Monday and Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern. Emily Proud and Blair Angulo holding that down. They got some can't-miss stuff. Signing day, December 20th. The clock keeps ticking. A lot going on. And, Drew, the clock is ticking. It is coaching carousel time. You and I going to buy some tickets we're going to get on that carousel and where to start let's go to college station baby how about this Jimbo Fisher he's out at Texas A&M the Aggies have gone 42 and 25 under Fisher and lost nine consecutive road contests Fisher's contract ran through 2031 by firing without cause A&M 
now owes Jimbo Fisher a record-breaking $76.8 million. Are you kidding me? Here's what AD Ross Bjork had to say about the decision that went into Fisher's departure. Here's, here's how I looked at it. Everything impacts the next year. But as we sit here, we finish the season hopefully strong. The transfer portal is coming, coming and going. Signing day, a bowl game. Maybe we hire some new assistant coaches and you know, do those kind of changes. I wasn't confident in that plan, which then would have impacted the 2024 season. So it's not about transition of SEC. It's, it's all about, can we go through this next eight weeks and have the right plan and succeed in that environment to build for 24? And I, I didn't see a pathway to then lead into 2024. That's a pretty sound explanation there from Ross Bjork. Sounds like an AD of an SEC school. Drew, it's pretty interesting to hear him lay out the next eight weeks and what that looks like in college football. You want to know about all the changes in college football. There it is. I thought Ross Bjork did a really good job explaining that, what it looks like over the next two months. And you talked about early signing day, but even before that, Drew, the first transfer portal window. The other thing to keep in mind, 2022 class for Texas A&M, the highest ranked recruiting class of all time, college football history. That class has one more year before they are draft eligible. So a lot to digest here. You think about the transfer portal, you talk about roster defense. We're going to talk about that in a second. The other thing is in six seasons, five of those cycles, Texas A&M under Jimbo Fisher had a top 10 ranked recruiting class. They are on track for that right now as we speak, number 10 in the 24-7 sports composite team rankings. Drew, a lot to break down here, but you think about what Ross Bjork said, the priorities Right For this new head coach, right now the associate head coach is now the interim head coach, Elijah Robinson. But let's look past that. For whoever's next, what is the priority for keeping this roster together? And there are a couple names that you look at immediately that jump out to you and say, dude, we got to keep these guys in the boat heading into 2024. Well, first thing I'm going to do is find a blazer like Ross. Man, that thing looked... Sharp looking dude. Nice yeah. For, yeah. I, I'm, I'm jealous. I need one of those for the signing day show specials or whatever. I, I think it starts with uh, David Hicks, right? Well, I mean, we just mentioned you're going to have to play a little roster defense. David Hicks, Walter Nolan, Jamar Stewart, Jamar Turner. I mean, all those guys I think are important. I think Evan Stewart's, whoever is hired, got to talk with him, right? He is the game breaker of that offense. I always love bet me some some Evan Stewart overs on the receiving yardage. So I think the premium positions and then Chase Besantis, young tackle who has got some run here as a freshman and has started multiple games. I I think the premium positions are going to be key. Uh, And then Connor Wegman, right? You got to keep him in the fold. We'll talk about here in a second, you know, what is the long-term outlook? Who's going to be the next QB one for the Aggies? I got some question marks there, but for me, it starts with that defensive line room. I think retaining Elijah Robinson would do wonders there. And then Evan Stewart, Chase Besantis. Those are the guys for me I am calling into the meeting room immediately. Yeah, good point on Elijah Robinson. It kind of feels a little bit like Cadillac Williams at Auburn last year. Kind of held the ship together, right? Did a really good job closing on that 2023 class. Gets a promotion to associate head coach under Hugh Freeze. I think we could see that same type of pathway play out for Elijah Robinson over the next couple of weeks. So there you, you talk about 
roster defense, what that looks like, who are the guys that they need to keep in the boat. I think you make a good point on the defensive line. Evan Stewart, he is that dude, right? And you think about that top 10 ranked recruiting class, Drew. Think about that receiver position, you, who you got coming in. Two of your five stars right now more than likely are going to play on the offensive side of the ball. One of them going to be Cam Coleman at the receiver position from Alabama right now. I think the recruitment is open, even though he's committed to A&M. That's all you could expect at this point. The other one, Terry Bussey from the state of Texas, listed as an athlete, could be a receiver, could be a DB. He can play ball regardless. Drew, this top 10 class, what is your priority here? Who are you trying to keep in the, uh, keep in the boat? And if you're that new head coach, Who's maybe that one guy that you don't have, but if you got two weeks until signing day that you're like, all right, let me go get him. I'm trying to hold on to the big boys from the Lone Star State I got committed, right? Dalen Evans, Blake Ivey. I mean, Evans has been linked to Florida at various points. Blake Ivey, I think those guys are potential multi-year individuals in the SEC, so got to keep them committed. And then whoever steps in, I'm making a phone call to DJ Lagway. I have question marks about what's next for Texas A&M long-term at that quarterback position. I know they had the transfer that came in uh, and helped put up 51 points against Mississippi State on Saturday night. Uh, but I still, I don't have a ton of confidence in that unit. They got two arms committed right now, Anthony Maddox, Miles O'Neill in the 2024 cycle. Both those guys are three-star prospects for us. Cooper, we saw uh, Anthony throw uh, where was it at the Under Armour camp? You know, Miles O'Neill playing a small ball uh, up in the Northeast. I think they got to figure it out at quarterback. And to me, DJ Lagway, we've shot him up in the rankings, obviously committed to Florida. This is not, you know, I don't think this is anything a surprise that you'd mentioned the name, but he's an in-state talent. You know, Texas A&M was previously involved in that recruitment. It'll be interesting to see whoever is hired, where they go when it comes to the quarterbacks, because I doubt you know, they're going to keep both these guys committed. They're probably going to be in the transfer portal as well. So keep Connor Wegman in the boat, right? You want him to come back and then go get a dude at quarterback. And to me, DJ Lagway is the one that makes the most sense. Marcel Reed, another arm that you got in that room as well. A freshman, hadn't played much this year. Drew, I love the point on DJ Lagway because I think if you're the new head coach, probably the most momentum that you're ever going to have at that program is before you play a game, right? You're going to have a two-week two window. There's going to be a lot of wind behind you. And right now, Billy Napier is doing a great job recruiting. It's just, can he continue to sell this vision of the future going into year three in Gainesville? And it sounds like things are starting to get a little uh, turned up in terms of the heat there in Gainesville as well. And how about this, Drew? The next two games for Florida, what do we got? We got Missouri and Florida State, right? So if you're thinking about a year here and year two where Florida fails to make a bowl game, that would be tough for Billy Napier. Drew, that being said, on the Florida thing, I know we didn't mean to go down that road. I'm all good with giving Billy Napier a third year in Gainesville. I love the way they're recruiting. I think he has earned that, not on the field. I think it's fair to criticize what they've done on the field, but in terms of what he is bringing in on that roster, I'd want to give him another year. I don't want to make that same mistake that I did with Mike Norvell where he turned it around in year three. I want to see what happens there. So A&M, one of the most enticing jobs, if not the most enticing job on the market right now. I mentioned Mississippi State as another Boise State, as another two. I'm sure there will be a few more that trickle in. But Drew, my favorite part of the show, the first call. We get to put on the tinfoil hat. We get to be the AD. We get to be Ross Bjork. We get to put on that nice coat for a little bit. Pick up the phone, the burner phone. Who are we calling, my man? Who's the first call on Andrew Ivins' Texas A&M potential coaching list 
Well, I got the pre-rundown script. I know you're going to go talk a little bit about Dan Lanning here. I would call Dan Lanning. I think the Danimal, what he has done so quickly out at Oregon in terms of building an SEC program on the West Coast, what he's done on the recruiting trail, I think it would be amazing to just let him run free with the support and the facilities and uh, you know all the buy-in at Texas A&M. But if you can't get Dan Lanning, I would go try to find the next Dan Lanning. And I think that might be Glenn Schumann. 33 years old, co-defensive coordinator for the University of Georgia. He's been a part of six national titles. He has a little bit of a tie to the Lone Star State, went to high school in the state of Texas. I think this guy is next up. I think he's going to come up for a ton of different jobs. And I think like Dan Lanning, he would show up. He's been around these winning programs. Georgia was also at Alabama, and he's a tireless recruiter. So I would at least have an interview with Glenn Schumann, right? He would bring that type of competitive environment where we're not taking developmental guys. I mentioned that with C.J. Allen, right? We are taking the best of the best every cycle. So I think Glenn Schumann is certainly someone I would at least vet uh, and, and, and just see if we think he could be the next day in landing for us. That's an interesting one. Schumann's name certainly picking up some buzz. If it's not A&M, Mississippi State, we'll talk about them in a second. But one of those names out there, I think the best thing Glenn Schumann has going for him right now is Dan Lanning, right? His former colleague seeing yeah. what he's done out in Eugene. So we'll see what happens with Glenn Schumann. Drew, my first call, right? There's dreams and then there's reality. But in this dream of a first call, mine would be who else? Dan Lanning, right? Let's go down the resume here. 19-4 and four as a head coach, 9-1 and one at Oregon this season. 37 years, 37 years of age out of Kansas City, Missouri. Oregon, I mentioned earlier in the show, number two in total offense, behind a blistering LSU at 560 yards per game, number 18 in total defense. Four years under Kirby Smart. Drew, you want to talk about talent acquisition, especially in the trenches. This guy knows a thing or two about that. $20 million buyout. Drew, here's the thing, though. He was asked about Texas A&M and that vacancy last night. Here's what our guy Dan Lanning responded. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere, Lanning said Monday night in regards to A&M. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite here at Oregon, and we have the resources, the tools. Anybody that can understand why you would want to be here at this place doesn't understand exactly what exists here. That's a pretty strong statement. So in this hypothetical world, let's say Ross Bjork picks up the phone, he calls Dan Lanning, and Dan Lanning hangs up. That is the reality, right? True for me. Who is the next call? Mike Elko, Duke right? It might not be the sexy hire that everybody in College Station wants, but I think it's the right hire. I've thought about the names that could be considered if you get past option one and option two, which I think for A&M was Lanning. We have saw what he said on that, Norvell. I think he stays put in Florida State. I think the next group is Mike Elko at Duke, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri. And I think this guy at Duke, makes a lot of sense. 15 and 8, two seasons, 9 and 4 in his first season, won the military bowl. He's 6 and 4 this year. He's got a beat up quarterback and Riley Leonard. This guy's a winner, 46 years old, prior to Duke, DC at AM, right? If you wonder what the connection was there. Four years with Jimbo Fisher, 
They were 34 and 14 in that span, four consecutive bowl appearances as well. He also had one year under Brian Kelly in 2017 at Notre Dame. Drew, I bring that up because it's not like this guy hasn't been around big time programs. He's been around the guys who have done it at the highest level. Say what you want about Jimbo Fisher, national champion at Florida State. Texas A&M, there's a reason that he was getting paid all that money as well. Brian Kelly, now the $100 million man at LSU. Mike Elko knows a thing or two about that. 2024 Duke recruiting class, not the same as recruiting in the SEC. Drew, right now they're ranked 36. That is the highest ranked, I, I believe, since 2016 when they finished 32 under David Cutcliffe. I like what these guys have done. On the recruiting trail, Derek Miller, their GM over there, spent some time in the SEC at LSU under Austin Thomas. If you're in the personnel world, you know both those names. I think this is a guy in Mike Elko that is equipped to run that program. And guess what? A&M's deal is not recruiting. I don't really know how good of a recruiting operation they were, but they got results. I just mentioned in the five of the six years that Jimbo was there, they finished in the top ten. 2022, they were number one. You want to talk about resources in the state of Texas. You want to talk about NIL. This has the chance to be one of the best jobs in the country. They need somebody to prime the pump. Mike Elko is a good football coach. All the things that make you want to pull your hair out, drive you crazy as an A&M fan under Jimbo Fisher, I guarantee is not going to be a problem with this dude. If you can take that and combine that with their recruiting potential, you got something. That being said, once you move past Lanning, once you move past Norvell, none of these guys are perfect, right? Lane Kiffin's not perfect. Drink's not perfect. Elko, we just don't know. You're going to have to live with one of these perceived flaws. Drew, I think this is what they need. They need a guy to come in there, give them some organization, give them some structure, and have this team to ultimately play up to their potential of what they can be. They have a top-four roster in the country. Everything they want is ahead of them. They need the right guy. Drew, I, the more I think about it, I think Elko makes sense. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens once Lanning moves on. Maybe Norvell stays put in Florida State and then kind of how this search goes. I think Elko gives you some continuity as well, right? A few of his staff members previously worked at Texas A&M under Jimbo Fisher as well. We mentioned Elijah Robinson. I think that would be an easy hire, you know, keep him in that defensive line role. Cooper, what gets me excited about Elko and potentially being at Texas A&M, you brought up recruiting is not the issue at, at Texas A&M. Uh, I agree. And I think the we've seen them get talent from the transfer portal. Elko is going to improve that roster because if you look at that recruiting class, 10 through 25, right? That's where they're going to make the difference. And you've seen it at Duke, a little bit of a developmental program right now. They're not trying to play these freshman guys early on, but you look at the two deep, right? Go glance at the box score, get in the ultimate uh, on PFF. A lot of sophomores, juniors, guys that have been coached up for a few years that weren't highly recruited are the ones making plays in the ACC. So that's what would excite me about Elko, right? You're going to continue to win your battles, right? You're going to still go for those same guys. But Texas, the Lone Star State, 31 draft picks per year, right? I think they would improve in terms of building out that roster on that front. And it would be fun to see his staff and Joey McGuire at Texas Tech go at it, right? Two Kind of similar philosophies, uh, but guys that are, are looking to improve across the board, not just the upper echelon when it comes to that roster. And for those of you that might be a little cautious of a defensive-minded coach, 
Drew, I want to bring this into context. Prior before Elko arriving at Duke, they had the number 102 ranked total offense in the country, number 107. The next year, ranked number 31 in both categories, right? So you got to give credit to them. With a true freshman quarterback playing two of these games. Right, there you go. So a lot of credit to Mike Elko, Duke. That's going to be a name to watch. If it's not A&M, it could be somewhere else. I mentioned earlier in the show, signing day, rapidly approaching December 20th. But before that, Transfer Portal Palooza. That's going to be a blowout show for us here at 24-7 Sports with all the talent in the world breaking it down for you. December 4th, 2023 coverage begins at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. That's going to be on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Also, National Signing Day. Drew will be in Florida. I'll be in Smashville. Baby, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Drew, there is a lot to talk about. We're not done in the SEC. Let's start with Zach Arnett. If you've been watching this show, the boys have been telling you the last couple weeks, hey, there's smoke, there's smoke, there's a $4.5 million buyout. What happens? There's a new AD. Boom, gone. He's out of there. Zach Arnett, 4-6 and six in his first season. Tough situation for him to handle. Mississippi State making some changes. And Drew, just like we did with Texas A&M, Mississippi State, you're the new head coach. What's your first order of business, and who are the first couple players you're calling on your roster? Yeah, what are we calling this little, uh, not segment, but question? <laughs> right? Who who are you playing defense against trying to keep in that roster? And it's funny, Cooper, because I had a conversation with a recruiting staffer, at, and I'm not going to name the program, and he was looking up and down that Mississippi State roster, and it was kind of, uh, I don't know if we really want to go on any of these guys. And I think that speaks to maybe the level of talent currently in Starkville. I don't know. The names I wrote down, Bryce Pollock, freshman corner. I think he has started some games, corner premium position. I would assume that there are schools around the country that smell blood in the water. Uh, Everyone's looking for a corner, just like offensive tackle. So he's one guy that's young. Creed Whitmore, an Oyster Boys favorite, top 247 athlete from last cycle. I don't think the offense that... Mississippi State has run this season is really kind of conducive to his skill set. We can get a little bit more into that later on about maybe what Mississippi State should do, but I think he's a guy you definitely got to keep. And then, you know, what happens with Will Rogers, the quarterback? I believe he's got another year. So I don't know. There's not a ton of just, I'm like, got to keep him, right? It's a, that is a very veteran team. A lot of guys will be moving on after this year. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Mississippi State. It's going to be a really interesting job. Drew and I here in a second will give our picks in terms of who our first call is. Drew, on the recruiting front, this is a class that has really struggled under Zach Arnett. Might not be a name, but in terms of an identity, what do you think they need to get back to? It's just, you know, Mississippi, number one, it's a state of big people. I had a former SEC coach tell me, he's like, have you ever been through Mississippi? There are are large humans at every corner. Just go, you know, pump gas or go into the convenience store. You're going to see some big people. So I think they need to get back to recruiting in-state. Right now you look at our 24-7 sports rankings in the state of Mississippi. I think they only have one player that's committed and ranked inside the top ten. Obviously Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin are doing an excellent job. They have a ton of momentum, uh, and they've been able to strengthen strike in state and I think Mississippi State they need to get back to that I I also just kind of wonder where else are they going to pluck their players from you know it it, it, it doesn't really seem to be a a rhyme or reason are we going to be active in Florida do we going to be active in Texas is it Alabama is it Georgia I think uh, Mississippi State kind of needs to figure that out and then the biggest thing is whoever is hired needs to understand the ecosystem of the junior colleges in the state of Mississippi Uh, Another conversation I was having last night with a different recruiting staffer. 
hey, we think the junior colleges are loaded right now with guys, right? Everyone's talking about the transfer portal. You know, some of these kids in the junior college ranks have been forgotten about. And when you're at a program like Mississippi State, you're not taking a bounce back from an Alabama, Georgia, right? You get a kid from junior college, they're going to show up and they're going to appreciate being there. So I think whoever is hired, get back to the basics, junior college recruiting, lock down the state to the best you can, and then pick where you want to go. Is it Florida? Georgia, again, Alabama, maybe up in Tennessee, we're seeing the, the, the improvement there, but they need to figure out where they're going to get a, a handful of players to supplement everything else. That's a great point because you think about Ole Miss, who has been a lot more active on the recruiting trail, which, which seems like they have taken advantage of, let's just call a spade a spade, a lame duck head coach in Zach Arnett out after one year, a lot of things changing in Starkville. Lane Kiffin, smart enough in his staff to take advantage of that and be opportunistic Ole Miss is also a team that is very heavily involved in the transfer portal. If you're Mississippi State, that can be an advantage to you in terms of taking advantage of the JUCO talent pool, Drew, that you mentioned earlier. So that's going to be interesting. I I, I do think you're right. I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's Mississippi, it's Alabama, it's the junior college ranks as well, and you got to be active in the portal too. So Mississippi State, certainly a difficult job. You mentioned in the SEC West. Now you, you welcome Texas and Oklahoma. Whew. What a uh, what a job in Starkville. Uh, Drew, speaking of, your first call, let's put back on the tinfoil hat. You're the new AD in Stark Vegas. Who's your first phone call to? We just kind of talked about it, right? Uh, you got Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC, right? Those programs are going to recruit at a level to win a national title, right? So now they're joining your Alabama, your Georgia, your Florida, LSU, Tennessee. All these programs are so invested in, in winning and they have all the resources there. I think Mississippi State, what they need to do is go back to the thought process they had when they brought in Mike Leach. You need to out-scheme people, right? You need to run a system on offense that's going to give you an opportunity to win some of these games that you shouldn't. You need to negate the talent gap. And for me, you know, looking at all these different candidates, and Cooper, there seems to be a lot of them that have ties to Mississippi State. I saw Shane Beamer on a hot list, obviously Dan Mullen, a lot of guys with ties to Mississippi State. My first call is to Rhett Lashley, head coach at SMU. Right now, Mississippi State last in the SEC when it comes to scoring offense. I think Rhett Lashley, who is at SMU right now, the Mustangs, number 10 nationally in scoring offense. Uh, He's been there for two years. I know SMU is moving to the ACC, so maybe that, I don't know, muddies this up a little bit. I mean, they have a ton of support behind the program, but I think in terms of an offensive mind, Rhett Lashley is someone that I would vet, someone I would like to interview because his system can put up points. And I think that's what Mississippi State needs to do. They need to outscore people, try to play some sound defense. Uh, We saw him put Rasheed Rice in the NFL. You know, Rhett Lashley, I mentioned you know, I don't know about his his chops when it comes to a junior college recruiter, but he has been excellent in the transfer portal. Right now, SMU, Elijah Roberts, a kid they got from Miami, he's up there. When you look nationally at PFF in terms of uh, pressures and sack rate, um, that's a, a rehabilitation project. When Rhett Lashley was at the University of Miami, De'Ara King, Charleston Rambo, those guys were both uh, veterans and mercenaries they plucked from other different schools. So I think Rhett Lashley has the right mindset in trying to find some of these veterans. He's done it in the past. So he's a guy I would check out. 40 years old, born in Arkansas, and has SEC experience. Not as a head coach, but he's got experience in the SEC. He was at Arkansas and Auburn. So I would think through that mindset. Give me some guy 
that's going to score points with his offensive system. That's an interesting one. Not really a name I've heard a lot for Mississippi State, but I think it makes sense in terms of uh, kind of the way that you, you put it out there from a conceptual standpoint. Drew, I'm going to go with Glenn Schumann, name that we already talked about. You talked about the young defensive coordinator at Georgia with the Bulldogs. And to me, this went back, like I said, I, I think the biggest thing he's got going for him is the success that Dan Lanning has had in Eugene. And if you were Mississippi State, I talk about this all the time, Program awareness is so important for an AD or ultimately at the end of the day, whoever the decision maker is, that's going to make the decision on hiring your next head coach. You need to understand where you are in the pecking order and the hierarchy, not only in college football, but in this case, the SEC and the SEC West. And who is a guy that understands it? Who's a guy that gets it? Who's a guy that understands point of attack recruiting? Who's a guy that understands how they're going to build their team inside out? Who was forged by the powers of the SEC in college football in Alabama and Georgia? That's all this dude knows. He's 33 years old. He's young. You're taking a shot. There's going to be a lot of questions about experience, all that stuff. I completely get it. But if you're Mississippi State, and you just had Zach Arnett. He's out one season, four and six. You got a new AD. I get it. This, to me, seems like an opportunity that's too good to pass up. The other guy that I was thinking about, Drew, was Dan Mullen, that I think makes a lot of sense. Now in the NIL era, I thought he was just a wonky fit when it came to <laughs> roster construction in Gainesville. He won more than 10 games in both of his first two seasons in Florida. Dan Mullen can coach ball. You know what the ceiling is at Mississippi State. Has he changed? I'm willing to say and willing to bet no that he hasn't. I've been around a lot of coaches and not a lot of these dudes change. I think they are who they are. They don't generally have an appetite for recruiting. That's probably who they're going to be a couple years later. I don't think a quick stint at ESPN is going to change that. This dude, if there's one guy that's been around it Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, understands the importance of roster construction. And the other thing I'll say Andrew, you talked about it. Mississippi, it's home to a lot of big bodies, right? There are some areas that I think you can exploit. I think the JUCO ranks, you talked about that. You got to be super smart. You got to be calculated in everything that you're doing. I talk about that term a lot. I love that from a personnel standpoint. Calculated aggression. I think that's what Mississippi State needs when they build a roster. Hey, man, if I'm going to take a shot on some dude that might be able to blow past the ceiling of a Dan Mullen and I just don't want to be safe at eight wins and say that's what we are, give me Glenn Schumann, I'll roll the dice, and we'll see what happens. Well, <laughs> you bring up some, some fair points there as well. I didn't even have a rebuttal formed in my head. I, I, <laughs> I, you, I was just tuned in listening. You know, I, I think Schumann would be an interesting one. Uh, another name, Charles Huff. You know, he, he coached at Mississippi State for a little bit. Now he's at Marshall. I wrote about Charles Huff a, a while back. He worked for Nick Saban, worked for James Franklin, you know, has had a ton of success recruiting in, in Florida. Uh, now, I, I agree with you. I think the personnel hire will be fascinating there. Who is going to come in and run the recruiting department and what plan do they implement, right? Are they going to, is it going to try to be a one-year, two-year rebuild? Or are they going to build through the high school ranks? That's what I'm fascinated to see with Mississippi State, right? How long is the leash? What is the plan? How are we going to attack it? And how are we going to rebuild the roster? All right, Drew, a little bit of a stunner, I would say, this weekend. Mike Yersich, offensive coordinator at Penn State, he is out. He joined the staff under James Franklin in 2021. Penn State, their second loss of the season at home 
to Michigan. It's been a uh, long talked about topic. Are you getting the most out of Drew Aller? Are you getting the most out of this offense, Drew? I know for you, this one kind of raised some eyebrows. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm going to be honest. And I, again, watched the Penn State Michigan game. And obviously, we had Drew Aller ranked very, very high. Cooper, my question to you is the issue for Penn State and the Nittany Lions, is it the quarterback or is it the wide receivers? Because I think it's the wide receivers that aren't catching enough flack for this passing attack and this offense not being able to move the ball down the field. I mean, last year they signed one wide receiver back in 2022, Caden Saunders, Anthony Ivey, Amari Evans, Tyler Johnson. I mean, those guys have combined to catch 11 passes this season. Where is the talent at the wide receiver position. I think Penn State, I, I, I don't know. I, I To me, we I, it was last week, right? We brought up a how we like Yursich and what he has done from quarterback evaluations, how he has built that room post Drew Aller, right? You're going to have Jackson Smolik, a kid they flipped from Tulane, who was at the Elite 11 Finals. Then they got Ethan Grunkmeyer, excellent evaluation. We're excited to see him. I believe he's going to be in the Under Armour All-America game. He's having a heck of a senior season there in Ohio. And I, I just don't know what direction are they going to go here? What does Penn State want to do on offense? What is their identity? I thought they were a power attack that could maybe potentially air it out and take advantage of, of what Drew Aller is able to do. I, I just, I don't know. This one's a head scratcher for me, Coop. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. Listen, I, I understand why James Franklin would do it. You look at Penn State, and I would say the talent that you have at the quarterback position, I love the way that they built the offensive line. 88th in the country in passing offense. They're averaging just over 200 yards per game at 206. Number 72 in total offense. We know about Nick Singleton. We know about Katron Allen. You think about Penn State, you think of a 12 personnel type of team utilizing those tight ends and being able to play north-south. Drew, I get it, but I also understand your cause for concern from a recruiting trail standpoint because outside of just the elite of the elite, when you look at Ohio State and you look at Texas and what Steve Sarkeesian and what Ryan Day have been able to build in their quarterback room, you kind of look over there to Penn State and you're like, whoa, you know, they got Drew Aller, right, in 2022, the number one quarterback in that cycle. They do a really good job of, of finding and digging out Jackson Smolik, who was once committed to Tulane from the state of Iowa, had a really good performance at the Elite 11 Finals. And then you think about Ethan Grunkemeyer as well in the state of Ohio, kind of crazy that they were able to do that two out of three years go to the state of Ohio within the Big Ten Conference and pull out very talented quarterbacks I like the job that he's doing from a recruiting standpoint but at some point you got to see these guys develop and Drew the thing is I think Drew Aller is a um, top five talent at the position right at, at the quarterback position and we were very high on him coming out I think it's more about can you build around Drew Aller and I think from a protection standpoint, they have it. I think they leave a lot to be desired at the receiver position. You bring up a good point there, and I think it was probably fair to question whether or not they needed to make a change for the betterment of the future as a at the play caller position. So I agree with that. The other thing is, I don't think they're getting it done at receiver. You brought that up. I think that's a big crux for them right now. They got to find a way to recruit elite-level talent there. They just haven't been able to do it. Josiah Brown committed uh, in 2024, along with Peter Gonzalez and Tassir Denmark, you think about 2023, it was just Carmelo Taylor, Caden Saunders, a guy that we had in the top 247. He's only played 106 snaps, right? I look at Penn State, and I'm going to put this on James Franklin. You better go out there 
in a couple weeks and you better be a buyer in the transfer portal market. You got to get together whatever you need to get together. And I kind of look at Florida State, Drew, and you look at what they've done through the transfer portal, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, right? They were able to flip that room rather quickly, kind of bought him some time in terms of how they've recruited it via high school as well. Penn State is not in a position to say, you know what, we're going to roll out with the guys that we have right now. I think they need to flip that room. I look for Penn State to be big buyers in the receiver market at the transfer portal. And if they're not, I don't think they're good enough to be status quo. So this one's pretty interesting to me as well. Cooper, it is, we've mentioned this at length throughout the cycle. This is one of the most loaded receiver cycles we've ever seen. How many guys do we have in our top 32? Eight? Nine of them could play wide receiver? Penn State doesn't have any of those guys committed. We just saw the graphic, right? Tysier, Denmark, Josiah Brown, Peter Gonzalez. Yeah, they're fine. Are any of those guys wide receiver ones, right? Are they true, hey, third and eight, I'm getting 10 yards and we're moving the chains, I'm creating separation? I don't know. I don't think so based on what I've seen thus far. Maybe I'm wrong, but they don't have that dude. You want to talk about a first call? Penn State right now, call Cam Coleman. Five-star receiver. Go get a dude on the perimeter. That's just how I view it. And the other thing with the the Yursich leaving, it just feels weird to me because Penn State's trending on the crystal ball for Beckham Kritza. Depending on when you're watching this show, he could have announced his commitment. He's doing on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Quarterback out of Colorado that was in California, spent some time at, at Miami. He's in a 2025 arm, and it just seems like for Penn State to circle in on him, take him without a offensive coordinator in place. I don't know. I just, I don't like that move. I, I would wait to get my guy hired before I made a move on a 2025 quarterback, because I think that quarterback room, you mentioned it with Drew Aller, Jackson Smolik, Ethan Grunkmeyer, that is going to be attractive for an offensive coordinator candidate, right? If you're one of these guys out there, Sean Lewis, you're looking at Penn state. Hey, I can come in. There's talent here. We know the offensive line's good. I got two excellent running backs. I don't know, just the, the, the idea that they might take a quarterback with an interim OC just, just feels a little bit off. Yeah, that's a little shaky there as well. They're probably too far down the road if, if it does end up being Penn State for Kritzo. We'll see what happens there. Drew, another name, Joe Moorhead, head coach at Akron right now, 4 of 18. Don't know what's going to happen with him uh, in his two years there in Akron, Ohio. The other thing about Moorhead – Drew, you, you look back on Moorhead, uh, Penn State offensive coordinator 2016-2017. They had a lot of success there. Trace McSorley, another guy, Saquon Barkley, you might know his name as well. You mentioned Sean Lewis, another name I want to throw out there. Bush Hamden at Boise State. Andy Avalos out there, Boise State, that offense, two-quarterback system. They've put up 30-plus points in eight straight games. So that might be a name that might be sitting out there as well, even if it's as a positional coach. Drew, that's all I got for today. Guys, we appreciate you watching, as always. If you're still hanging on, you're watching right now, make sure to smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. The boys got a lot of goods over the next month. And like I said, the Transfer Portal Palooza, December 4th, signing day right around the corner as well, December 20th. For our director of scouting, Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Patagna. We'll see you back here tomorrow.